You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. GHD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. A Town Square Media Station. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. But from this time, each and every weekday morning, 11 a.m. until noon, we are with you once again on the home for University of Alabama Athletics. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Still got a few precious few, precious few slots left in those summer camps. You can get involved right now at 205-752-0211. Don't hesitate. Make the call right now. Get those summer camp plans handled. They can take care of you there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, and together we combine to form the 60-minute-a-boo of Sports Talk Radio. What about it? Jacob, how are you doing on this Friday morning? Gearing up for a weekend. Going to go down to, to Baldwin County, visit with the family for a little bit. You got to check in on that Theodore High School football coach that apparently was brawling down at the docks while you're down there. Can you get some insight on that for us? <laughs> I think I'm going to stay away from him. <laughs> is there anything more Baldwin County than that, Jacob? Hey, Theodore is Mobile County now. We don't own that. <laughs> ah, jeez. I tried to slide him in there. I tried to slide him into Baldwin. You're right. You're right. That is over on the other side. Other side there. But, uh, Wow, we haven't really even touched on that story. You know, like that story, Rush Probst, it got him out of the headlines there for a day or so. Speaking of a guy who has spent some time in South Alabama, Rush Probst. I don't know what it is, man. What is it about the water down there? Come on, guys. Come on, you can't be at the docks brawling. Can't do that if you're a head football coach of a high school team of some note. We got a lot to get to on the program today. First of all, Jacob Harrison, I'm in full bachelor mode as the chocolate lady and the youngest daughter semi-impulsively decided, you know what, we need to go check in on the oldest daughter before she makes the move back to the mainland. So as I do this program, the chocolate lady and the youngest daughter in the air on their way to Honolulu, Hawaii. So here I am. No invite for me, Jacob. You know, just stay back and work, old man. You know, that's that's your reward as you get into your 50s. We're jetting off to Oahu. Uh, hold it down. How about that? So that's uh, that's yours truly here for the next week or so. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I did get in the walk this morning. I have maintained some semblance of self-discipline here in the first three or four hours of my renewed bachelorhood. So we'll see how that See if we're able to maintain that as well. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, busy, busy weekend on the Diamonds in Tuscaloosa AL. It started last night for the Alabama baseball team. Unfortunately, 
it ended in defeat game one of that Alabama Mississippi State series goes to the visiting Bulldogs four to two Alabama with a one nothing lead heading into the final third of that contest but the bullies with a four spot in the seventh and the Crimson Tide we worried about this stretch right a couple weeks ago we told you Vandy road trip LSU Mississippi State to close out the regular season you knew it was going to be a defining gauntlet to this point Alabama is one in five in six games in that three-series stretch with two to go. Get back after it this evening at the Joe. A lot on Dylan Smith. Got a good start from Tyler Ross last night. I mean, if you get a college pitcher that goes six-plus and gives up four, you feel okay about that start. That's a quality start in college baseball. But the bats just not getting it done. Alabama struck out 15 times last night. And you tip your cap to the Mississippi State one-two punch that the Bulldogs ran out there last night, but 15 Ks. Got to put the ball in play. Got to put some kind of pressure on that defense. And you're not doing that with a lot of strikeouts, a lot of swings and misses for Alabama. Alabama's one through five hitters last night combined two for 15 with nine strikeouts. going to be tough to win games in the Southeastern Conference like that. Again, though, game two, Set for this evening at the Joe. You've got a matinee tilt tomorrow afternoon that will cap the regular season, and we'll see where Alabama sits. Right now, 12 and 15 in the league, 29 and 20 overall. So very much teetering, perhaps stepping across the wrong side of that line where NCAA regional hopes are concerned. You can change a lot of that, though, tonight and tomorrow. A span of really... Less than 24 hours, you can go from outside NCAA regional play to squarely inside. You win these two, you get to 14 and 15 in the league, headed into Hoover, you feel pretty good about things. 205-342-9904. Hey, Alabama softball, obviously a big part of the new cycle coming up here. Over the next few days, uh, Alabama hosting that Tuscaloosa Regional. Had a lot of fun talking with Michelle Smith of ESPN yesterday, the two-time Olympic gold medalist, Michelle Smith. Got some good insight from her. Alabama and Alabama State set for 5 Central this evening. That is an SEC network affair You're going to also have Clemson and Troy. So your winners of Bama State and Bama, Clemson and Troy will meet tomorrow. uh, And you'll go from there. Alabama, what was the stat I saw for Alabama win streak in regional play? And they're like 40 straight. Alabama's won in regional action. Crazy. Crazy. Really, really good at home, as we know. And this is an Alabama State. The question that we've asked really throughout the week is do you bring the hammer? Do you throw Montana Fouts against Alabama State tonight? And we asked Michelle Smith about that yesterday, and the uh, feeling of Michelle Smith was you keep throwing your hammer. You don't even risk the potential of dropping into the loser's bracket. I will say this, though. We talked about this with Corey throughout the week. The run rule should be in effect for Alabama tonight. This is a Bama State team that Alabama has seen twice this season and has outscored in those games a combined 21-3, to both of those going just five innings. Both were five-inning run rule affairs, so uh, something to consider there. You know, I mean, your offense has got to uh, – you've got to get it done offensively, obviously, but it hasn't been much of a problem. Alabama has scored at least 10 runs against Alabama State in each of those two games this season. And Jacob Harrison does confirm, in fact, 40 straight regional wins for Patrick Murphy's program since 2007. 205-342-9904. We won't talk much about the Atlanta Braves. The up and down, mostly down, though, Atlanta Braves. I guess if you want to be optimistic, Dan Swanson looks like he's getting it going a little bit. You're hopeful that William Contreras is going to continue to trend in an upward way uh, as the the catcher of the future, maybe the 
the the the presence, the present perhaps uh, for Contreras. He's been really good uh, with the injuries that the Braves have had behind the plate. But the Braves drop an extra inning affair at Truist Park last night. Got that weird wacky. In fast pitch softball, they used to call it putting the runner at second base once you got the extra innings. I, I believe it was called the international rule because it was used in international play in fast pitch softball, uh, World Cup type games, national tournaments, you know, tournament play in general, really. Uh, but you got it now in Major League Baseball, and the Pirates obviously took better advantage of that situation in the 10th. Last night, then did the Braves, who the Braves had, the Braves had their guys up there in the bottom of the tenth, and uh, went out with a whimper in a six-four loss to the Pittsburgh Pirates. We've also got Tim Tebow mania cranking back up. Tim Tebow going to wear that number eighty-five, Jacob, for our Jacksonville. Jaguars. And did I see this correctly? Adam Schefter with a tweet this morning that Tim Tebow merchandise, Jaguar merchandise, was number one in like 10 or 11 different categories where NFL merch is concerned here in the last 24 hours or so. Wow. Whatever you think of Tim Tebow, man, he's got pop. And I'm talking about it was men's merchandise sales and women's. With Tim Tebow. And I'm on record. Tim Tebow will be on the 53-man roster when the Jags head to Houston for the 2021 season opener. This isn't a publicity thing. You really think Urban's going to cut his guy? Really? You think Urban's going to cut his guy? I mean, it may only be a one-year thing. He signed the one-year deal. But I just have a hard time seeing Urban send that message to his guy, Tim Bring the playbook. I just, difficult time envisioning that scenario. We're going to talk with Charlie Potter coming up in a little bit as well. My colleague there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie's got 10 Alabama football juniors you should know about heading into the 2021 season. We'll go through some of those with Charlie. I can already envision a lot of those guys being on the defensive side of the ball. But we'll go in-depth with that and more with Charlie Potter coming up in just a little bit. We've got PGA Championship talk to get into. Pops coming up later in the program. But first, let's go out to the state of Texas and check in with our pal Cowboy on the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Cowboy, how you doing this morning? All right, Travis. How about yourself? Hanging in um, there, my man. I, I was wondering, I, I I think Urban's in a tight, in a in a Make this deal with Tebow, boy, the national former players that are on that Talking Head Network, um, they're 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 giving this this move. They're ripping it, man. Hey, the guy said this morning, "Hey, Keyshawn, I believe you could play tight end better than uh, than Tim Tebow." Uh, and uh, I'm afraid that this move. Urban could lose the locker room over this deal. I, I don't know. You know, um, it might take away from Trevor Lawrence. I know you're close down there in Jacksonville. I, this national media, they're, 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 they're in the environment we live in right now. This thing here is going south on Urban. I'm telling you, it doesn't. No, look, I mean, it, they're just ripping him. Yeah, I, I think it just underscores the fact that urban lives in such a vacuum that he really, he really either doesn't hear it or even if he does, it doesn't impact him in any kind of way. This has been coming. We've been talking about Tim Tebow to the Jags because we first caught wind of this back in February. So this isn't something that they just sort of dreamed up. It was like when urban got the job, he already had, in mind, Tim Tebow being a part of this team. And, you know, it's almost like Urban still thinks he's got 85 scholarships to give out. You know what I mean? In terms of roster management. And in the NFL, we only have, what, 53 or so? You know, you're talking about a difference in 32 players. So you don't have spots to hand out like hard candy, Cowboy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This, This deal could go like 
Spurrier's deal went at the yeah. Redskins if he doesn't watch it. You know, he, Spurrier wanted to play Shane Matthews all the time. And that didn't, Danny that didn't go over yeah. Yeah, that didn't go over well. I, oh, man, I don't know. I, no, the, I just, the, the thing that, that Urban has working for him is Trevor Lawrence, and I've said this before. We can talk about Urban Meyer. We can talk about Tim Tebow. At the end of the day, the arc of this franchise hinges on the development and play of Trevor Lawrence. Everything else is just noise, and I think Urban's right. ego loves it. Urban's ego, he loves this stuff. And so, but your point about the locker room is one I've talked about in the past with this situation, not only in terms of credibility of a sense of favoritism right out the gate that you're just bringing in your guy, even though everybody in that locker room knows he shouldn't be in the league, but also your personal relationship with Tim Tebow. You're coming in as a new coach, and I don't care if you have won three national titles in college. You still have to win the trust of professional players. They already look at you with a sort of leery eye, okay? And yeah. when you bring your guy in who already in the eyes of a lot of people in that locker room and that organization in general don't feel like he should be in the position he's in, you start wondering what the motivation really is. Is he there as eyes and ears in the locker room? Maybe. For Urban Meyer, do you have to really be guarded about what you say around this guy? How are you being evaluated? Is there being input provided by things that you may do or say when you think you're in the sanctuary of the locker room? There's a lot of things that could come into play here, Cowboy. Oh, you're you're definitely right. I don't know. You, I mean, Tebow's got a great life as it is now. You would think maybe he's about ready to start a family or something. What? what? I mean, he's not going to really make that much more money off of this deal. I mean, what, what, what do you think? I think you the, just said it. I think, I think he's in a position where if he wants to give something like playing again a shot, just like with baseball, he can do that. Mm -hmm. He's in that, mm -hmm. that great position. But I've said this before about Tim Tebow, too. The best thing he ever did was stay for that final year at the University of Florida because his oh, legacy yeah. was always going to be – as a college football player, and with that, a Florida Gator. And all of this is being afforded to him by that tie, right? He played for right. Urban Meyer at Florida. His 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 work on the SEC network, that's all because he's former Heisman Trophy winner and Florida Gator, Tim Tebow. It all goes back to his college career. So you know, that was the best thing Tim Tebow ever did was and and it probably wasn't that hard of a decision but there was talk about it at the time you know would he come back for that that fourth year and he absolutely should have and and he, and he did and and everything else has kind of been laid out for him from that yeah I was reading about him the other day. I forgot he tried out for the Eagles, you know, Chip Kelly. Mm -hmm. I, I, you, you would have thought he'd have made that deal. He didn't. Then the Patriots, you know, I said, well, he'll make this one. No. No. Yeah. No. I mean, he's and, just uh, not not enough of a, a passer, um, you know, in, in a number of different ways to be a, an NFL quarterback and – you know, with the Chip Kelly thing, you think, well, there's more maybe zone read and RPO stuff. But a lot of that gets taken away in the NFL with the one-yard rule for linemen being able right. to go downfield. You know, that changes things and the influence of that a good bit when you look at the NFL. Yeah, it just uh, – I hope it works out well, but I'd, I'd hate He's to start a great my guy. career. Yeah. He's if a great, head guy, coach, great person by all accounts. It's not. It's not about that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a little bit it, it's it's a little bit concerning. I would say. Yeah. Uh, but the yeah. but the good thing is, Tim Tebow's not playing quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> that's at the end of the day. Right. Trevor Lawrence is. There you go. That that's the number one key, and our boy, Mister. Las Vegas or whatever you want to call him, uh, Garner Minshew is still yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens with, uh, Gardner. Yeah. Hey, uh, one last thing, uh, 
Have you been to that course there where the PGA is being played and then uh, can Phil Mickelson hang in there? <laughs> I know. I, I have been to Kiowa Island. I have not played that golf course, but it is everything it's you beautiful. see on television. It's that and then about twice as much. It is gorgeous. Mm. And Phil's hanging in there. He's four under for the tournament, two under once again for the day. He was a little bit up and down when watching the coverage earlier today, but there he is tied for second right now and just two shots behind Brandon Grace, who is at six under oh, in the league. That'd be awesome. The networks would love that if he could get them some ratings tomorrow and Sunday. Well, the, the networks, <laughs> depending on JT and Rory later today and some other guys, they may need Phil Mickelson this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, look forward to hearing Pops later. Y'all talk some good Jacksonville <laughs> stories. Oh, gosh. I'm glad awesome. somebody's looking forward it. to that. All yeah. right, Cowboy. We got a picket line story we're going to get out of Pops today. That, oh, oof. okay. Yeah, what so time tune is he in. coming on? Uh, he'll be on about quarter to 12, his typical right. spot there, hitting cleanup. Yeah. Pops. <laughs> He's going to clean the Thanks, bases. Cowboy. Well, the Bye-bye. thing about Pops hitting cleanup is you usually have to clean up after him, you know, but uh, we put him in there <laughs> anyway. All right. All right. Thanks, Bye. Cowboy. Always appreciate the phone call. Yeah. The Tebow talk emanating from Northeast Florida. We're going to head to a break. We come back. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job for us covering the Alabama Crimson Tide at BamaOnline.com. We'll talk Crimson Tide. With Charlie, when Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, returns right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Breezy and very warm this afternoon with a good supply of sunshine, the high 89. Fair tonight, the low 63. And the heat cranks up over the weekend, mostly sunny tomorrow and Sunday. The high tomorrow, 91. Sunday's high at 93. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. One, two, three. Southern Fries, right here on Tide 9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now, check in with Charlie Potter, a longtime veteran now of the Alabama beat does an outstanding job for us there at BOL covering all things Alabama crimson side. And with that, Charlie, we'll just try to stick to Alabama because, uh, our Braves let another one get away last night over in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, it seems like every time I talk to you on this show, it's never a good thing (laughs) about the Braves. So probably for the best. (laughs) Oh, oh man. Oh, but Dansby Swanson might be picking it up. So that could be a good thing. Just, uh, maybe he, I wonder if he can work in relief. Can he pitch Dansby Swanson? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would might be, be something, good. but, uh, they, they just need consistency. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to. And to see him do that, that that's, it's a positive sign. I mean, if everybody could you know, play a, a little bit like Acuna would be, would be better off, but yeah, I mean, Maybe throw him out there as a pitcher, see how he can do. Yeah, somebody. Somebody. I'm actually blaming that loss last night on my nephew. He was in attendance. So oh, he gets the yeah. he gets that one. We'll go ahead and just <laughs> assign that to him and 
keep it moving. But, uh, Charlie, as we move through the month of May and kind of look ahead to another college football season there at BamaOnline.com, we're doing our best to keep the Alabama fans abreast of what might be coming their way uh, as fall camp gets underway in August and you move into the season there on Labor Day weekend in Atlanta, Georgia against the Miami Hurricanes. Um, Comings and goings with the roster. It seems like it's been a little bit of a revolving door. How would you describe the situation in terms of expectations coming out of spring practice and the kind of movement we've seen, some landing spots for guys who have moved on here, and then Alabama on the other side working the transfer portal as far as incoming guys are concerned? Yeah, I think it's interesting just to see the the shape of the roster uh, throughout the course of the offseason. And you know, spring practice is kind of one of those those benchmarks because you know guys wait, they go through uh, spring drills, and they kind of see – you know, maybe what it would be like in the fall for them. And, you know, the the biggest one we've seen since spring practice in terms of positions and attrition has been the cornerback spot. And I think that says a lot about just the depth that Alabama has there. Um, you know, obviously Josh Job is coming back as the the starter. Um, you know, Pastor Tan's now with the Broncos, so you have to replace him. And, and Jalen Armour Davis did a really strong job of that. I think he, you know, put himself in a position um, you know, to open up preseason camp and maybe be the the game one starter there opposite of Josh Joe. But we saw some young guys, guys like Marcus Banks and even true freshman like Jaquincy McKinstry, um, you know, do some really nice things in the spring. Um, you know, for the most part, the guys that left, Ronald Williams and, and Brandon Turnage were with the threes. Um, you know, I think they could still compete and, you know, be guys on special teams, be reserves in, in that regard. But it makes sense for them, you know, to, to move on. Um, you know, Alabama has to get under that number 85 mark. They're not there yet. So you see guys leave and it, it makes a lot of sense, but, um, I think it also says a lot about the, the defense. So, um, you know, they're going to have to be some, some other guys to, to hit the portal that hasn't happened yet. But, um, I just think from, a when you look at the roster, really, um, what they've done from, from losing guys, it, it makes sense. Positions like linebacker, um, you know, defensive back, and then you're you're even bringing in more linebackers with Henry Toa Toa to to compete there opposite of Christian Harris and to to bolster an already impressive defense. And then you had a guy like Jamison Williams at wide receiver. So I think they've kind of addressed their needs. Um, again, though, I mean it's not done. The transfer portal is here to stay. It's going to be kind of the, um, the the word of the day. It seems like for for some weeks in the off season. But I think for the most part, Alabama's used to losing players. Um, you know, Nick Saban talked about it whenever the the one time transfer rule uh, was brought up. You know, they're they're going to lose players, but they're going to retain their their best, and they're going to go out and get other good players from other teams now. So I think that's what we're starting to see with this new kind of age in college football that is basically free agency. Were you surprised to see that, according to T.J. Finley, anyway, the level of interest that Alabama appears to have in him, the LSU transfer based on his comments to Hank South, our recruiting analyst there at BamaOnline.com, or with the numbers being what they are, it's sensible in a way, at least in terms of another quarterback, whether it's Finley or someone else perhaps coming on board. But as you said earlier, you're still trying to make all these numbers work too. Yeah, um, I was a little bit surprised to see that. I thought Hank did a good job of, of getting that interview and, and getting those quotes from him. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a situation to where we've heard Nick Saban talk throughout the spring. You know, he's mentioned it on a couple of appearances you know, since spring practice about the quarterback position, and he continues to say good things about, about Bryce Young. I don't think that's really the the concern, uh, but, you know, he, he talks about the need to develop backups and while I think that Paul Tyson you know improved uh, I think Jalen Milrow showed significant improvement from his first practice to last uh, when he was able to be on the field um, you know you, you can never have uh, enough quality quarterbacks on the roster and Nick Saban likes to have or to sign one quarterback each year uh, in terms of a recruiting class and right now when you look at look at it you, know, you have several recruiting classes on campus, but only three scholarship quarterbacks. So it makes sense to, for them to at least gauge interest. In terms of, of T.J. Finley, um, 
you're leaving a situation at LSU where you're competing for a spot already. You're not guaranteed it. So it, it seems like Alabama might not be the place you would lean toward, but who knows? Uh, maybe he thinks he can compete with Bryce Young. I think Bryce has a really strong hold on the starting job right now. Um, of course, things can change. Competition is still ongoing, all of that. But it was it was interesting to read nonetheless, but I think it's, it's obviously going to be something to, to keep watch of moving forward because I think until the SEC formally announces what they're going to do from an interconference transfer rule, we probably won't hear anything from TJ in terms of the final decision. And I guess with Finley, because it was a free year in 2020, you could almost view him as a freshman quarterback that you're looking at bringing in and perhaps – you know, you look at this guy in terms of his physical makeup, the size, the arm strength, things like that. I'm I'm sure he could be intriguing uh, to a lot of teams out there. But, yeah, he, as much as you read that update, and uh, obviously Nick Saban is always seeking to up the competition in every area of his football team for 2021 and probably 2022 at least, uh, this looks to be – Bryce Young's football team. Uh, Charlie, I know here in the last couple of days with us at BamaOnline.com, you have given us 10 Alabama juniors to know in 2021. And my initial thought was, wow, this list is going to be really defensively heavy. And there certainly is a strong defensive presence on the list. Probably more offensive guys that I anticipated. But when you really get into it, uh, it's a it's a pretty balanced group. I guess a little bit of an edge to the defense where the junior class is concerned. It is, yeah. And I'll tell you, whittling this down to ten was one of the hardest things I've done this offseason. Just because I could have almost done, you know, eighteen to twenty because I think the junior class is going to be you know, the biggest pool of contributors for this team. I think the sophomores are, you know, they're up there. But these guys, you look at just, you know. We were talking about the corners earlier. You you have to mention a guy like Jalen Armour Davis because of the spring that he had. You have both expected starting safeties in Jordan Battle and DeMarco Hellams. Uh, you, have, you have three defensive linemen that are going to get first-team reps at D.J. Dale, uh, Justin Aboigby, and, and Byron Young, and I couldn't include all of those guys. Um, you have a couple of returning starters along the offensive line, and uh, Emil Ekior and, and Evan Neal. You have the the alpha there on the defense and Christian Harris, who we talked about a little bit before. Um, yeah, you, you have John Mechie, who's going to be the number one receiver at a position. Alabama you know, needs to, to have step up this, this season. And then that's not even including guys like Toa Toa and Jamison Williams, who are going to you know come in and contribute as transfers. And, you know, yeah, I had to, had to cut several players from this list. Um, you know, I think Cameron Latou is going to have a great season at tight end. You know, Slade Bolden is going to be, um, he's a light receiver, maybe even in the return game. Um, you know, Jaleel Billingsley is on the list, but it's just you go down and you could have easily done almost 20 of these guys. You're not including guys like uh, Keelan Robinson, uh, Will Reichard, or the kicker. So I think the juniors, it's, it's a well-balanced group. It does lean a little bit heavy to the defense, but it shows that um, the senior class is small, even though there's some key contributors there. But I think the juniors are going to be, you know, some of the main leaders and some of the biggest contributors for Alabama this fall. Yeah, real emphasis right up the middle of that defense, right, with Christian Harris and some of those guys who took some lumps, frankly, in 2019 as true freshmen. Now you're seeing the benefit of that as they show up on lists like this one that Charlie has for us there. At BamaOnline.com, 10 juniors to know in 2021 for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We're talking with Charlie Potter, does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for us there at BamaOnline.com. So, Charlie, uh, what are you most anticipating next? Is it vacation? Is it <laughs> SEC media days? Uh, what, what, what are we What are we talking about on your own personal sort of mile markers to another college football season. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to SEC media days being back. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to just drive 45 minutes to Hoover and, you know, cover all four days. I didn't love it when it was in Atlanta. And of course we've had a hiatus now because of the pandemic, but it'll be good to, to get back and to, to see how that works. Um, you know, post COVID really. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the month of June is when I try to, you know, kind of, 
cut loose a little bit, maybe, you know, get out of town. And um, it seems like a lot of other people are trying to do that, though, too, because the wife <laughs> and I, this is our, uh, our five-year wedding anniversary this year. In All the right. Of June. And we had wanted to go up to the Pacific Northwest, but I'll tell you, the, the flights up there are expensive. I feel like everybody else has our same ideas. So we're trying to think of something. We're going we're gonna to do something to, to celebrate, to, you know, get out of town. But that's right now. Um, you know, the past, probably this this week, you know, my nights have been filled of, of scrolling Airbnbs and Marriott's to, to see what we can do. <laughs> Five years, man. That's a, uh, that's a nice accomplishment. Congratulations to you guys. Uh, as for the immediate future, uh, with Alabama athletics, uh, we've talked about it all week, uh, big for both the baseball and softball teams, tough one for Alabama baseball last night, had an opportunity going into the later innings of that one and couldn't quite hold on. And what are you thinking in terms of Alabama's uh, projectability where an NCAA regional is concerned for baseball right now? Yeah, we talked about on the podcast. I feel like they had to to win one game to feel a little more comfortable. Um, You know, looking at some projections, some have them just on the outside looking in. So to steal a win from Mississippi State would be big. And then obviously you have Hoover coming up and, um, you know, to, to show well there, I think is, is important. So it sounds like, uh, you know, they're going to open up uh, the Joe for some more people. Uh, it, they're going to let some, yeah. some fans go into the, the right field terrace that aren't students and that could get civilians, get squirrely. civilians out but, there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But no, it should be an exciting weekend you know, here in Tuscaloosa with the softball regional. Um, you know, they're opening up capacity over there too. So, Hopefully, you know, both teams were able to get some wins. And, yeah, the the baseball team, though, yeah, again, it's just still a win here. Uh, you know, maybe get a win or two in, in Hoover, and I think they'd be in much better shape. Well, as always, Charlie, we appreciate the time here on Southern Fried Sports. Always look forward to our podcast there at BamaOnline.com as well. Have a great weekend, man. We'll catch up again soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Charlie Potter. Colleague there at BOL. Back with more of a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Side 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. Thanks again to Charlie Potter for joining us on a Friday. You know, it is list season. And unfortunately, some folks take it upon themselves to try to rank the best restaurants in every Power 5 college town. There's an individual on Twitter who's been doing that of late. Looks like he's, uh, or she is, he or she, is a Oklahoma fan. And and the latest rankings, or the best of, anyway, best Mexican restaurant in every Power 5 college town. And for Tuscaloosa, the selection is Taco Bell. What? I mean, come on. It's the same one that said the best pizza was at Chuck E. Cheese. Exactly. Exactly. Best burgers, Hardee's. Best barbecue cookout. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the legitimacy of this individual. We got plenty. Tuscaloosa has plenty of quality Mexican outlets from which to choose on the culinary side of things. Taco Bell, not in that group. I am still heartbroken, though, by the closing of Chewy's. That broke my heart because that creamy jalapeno sauce beckons. I still have withdrawals for that creamy jalapeno sauce. We have in Alabama what I like to call Alamex instead of Tex-Mex, you know. It's kind of like Alabama's own spin on Mexican. It's not what I would call authentic, 
Mexican fare, but it's ours. Good stuff. And it ain't Taco Bell, pal. Let's head to a final break. We come back. Pops on a Friday. He joins us when SFS returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Breezy and very warm this afternoon with a good supply of sunshine, the high 89. Fair tonight, the low 63. And the heat cranks up over the weekend, mostly sunny tomorrow and Sunday. The high tomorrow, 91. Sunday's high at 93. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 81 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Talk about an individual who could establish a groove for any song he was a part of. That was Roger Hawkins playing percussions here for Paul Simon back in the 70s on Kodachrome. Sad to learn yesterday that Roger Hawkins had passed away at the age of 75, one of the noted swampers from up there in the Muscle Shoals area. Just one of the original Swampers left now. David Hood, Little David, bassist, father of Patterson Hood, co-founder, of course, of Drive-By Truckers. But uh, we've been doing songs involving Roger Hawkins throughout the program today. I think this is one Pops likes pretty good. Pops pretty good fan of 70s Paul Simon, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very good. The Swampers pops as they were shouted out by your guy, Ronnie Van Zant, in Sweet Home, Alabama, the Swampers. <laughs> Back in the day, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Pops, you know what's going on just outside Tuscaloosa tomorrow? No. They are having a concert to benefit coal miners that are on strike in the Brookwood area. Uh, and they're bringing in Mike Cooley from the drive-by truckers and Lee Baines, the third and the glory fires. And they're going to have a benefit concert for the, uh, for the union members there. That's You're a nice. union guy, right? That's great. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Have barbecue. They're going to have chili, free chili. Well, I, I wish yeah. I, cause if I was up there, I'd be getting some barbecue You'd be going? And chili tomorrow. <laughs> You'd be going tomorrow. Yeah. Yes, sir. You you've been on a picket line, as I recall. Yes, I've been on a picket line more than. And I, I think it may have one time ended in controversy with you on a picket yes. line, as I recall. Yes, <laughs> those were the good old days, though. <laughs> now you were just walking the line, and somebody tried to run you over. Is that right? Yeah, actually, he actually accelerated when he got up to the line, and when he oh, pops. that's when it all broke loose. <laughs> Now, I mean, what did you do? Did you jump up on top of the truck, or how did you? I, I, I jumped up straight up, straight uh, up, and he just went right under me, scooped me up right on the hood of the truck, and uh, next thing I knew, I was straddling the hood, holding on to each side of the top of the cab, and he was trying to throw me off. <laughs> Unsuccessful though you you Unsuccessful. you're like a you're like a rodeo cowboy yes, on that I truck. Did. I kicked my flip flops off. I had flip flops on. Oh gosh, flip flops! Kicked my flip flops off and held on. And uh, I said, if he ever stops this truck, it's gonna be oh my goodness. And he did. And he locked the door. He locked the door. I kicked the door. Get him out of the truck. Yeah, I, I kicked the door. With my bare feet, pops. Uh, one thing led to another, and he finally cracked that door. And when he did, uh, I, I, I got hold, got my hands on him. You got hold of him, H O L T. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Whitey and Mullins had to pull me off of him. Uh, pops. Those yeah, were the days. That, that was that was you know. 
back Man. in the day. <laughs> that was that was pre pops. That was before pops was pops. Yeah. That was Mean Gene yeah, that was, days. That was back in '83. Wow, I remember mm-hmm. it like it was yesterday, and it was '83. Mm-hmm. Wow, boy, pops in today's world, you'd have been all over social media. You would have gone viral with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been footage of pops riding that hood of that truck, you know, hanging yeah. on. Yeah, he, he he drove all over the parking lot trying to throw me off. Now, yeah. was there any concern on your behalf about your employment as a result of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. But come to find out, the management, for some reason, they uh, I think they liked me <laughs> for whatever They reason. wanted to keep you around. Yeah. And, they, and I, I sure appreciated it, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it hadn't worked out, you could have gone into rodeo. Yeah, you, you, you could have broke bulls or broncos been, or something. Been about the same, I'm telling you. Uh, mm-hmm. So there you go. There's the Pops picket line story, as promised. <laughs> hey, Pops, uh, Tim Tebow, official now with yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Have you uh, uh, have you had Nana go online and get your number 85 jersey yet? Or are you doing home, away jersey? Or are you doing both jerseys, Pops? Well, I'm, 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 I got my fingers crossed for the boy. Because I think he's going to need all the help he can get. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people here in Jacksonville, they, they really support Tim Tebow. And uh, I, I I wish him luck, but I, I don't know how he, how he can pull this off. Uh, I'm going to tell you how. It's Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer <laughs> is not going to cut his guy. Can you imagine That's his Urban neighbor. Meyer what, what can I tell you? Tim Tebow it's over? <laughs> I can't. I know, I know. I think I think Tim Tebow's getting a year no matter what. I, now I, it's a it's a one year deal and they yeah, may come to the yeah. agreement mutually at the end of it that okay, yeah. that was nice, but that's it. But you I don't see Urban right. telling T- Tim to bring his playbook in. I don't yeah, see that, Pops. I, I, I know. I hear you. I wouldn't be surprised at all at that. I mean that And I, I think Urban, whereas Trent Balky is the GM. I think Urban thinks he's still the biggest boy in that building down there on the yeah, banks of oh, St. There's John's no Bob. doubt about that. There, uh, there's no doubt. Even Trent, he looks at Trent Balky as if Trent's his assistant. <laughs> you know. even, even, even the owner thinks that. Yeah. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. a man, you know. They're going to let him let him rule the roost. Mm-hmm. You're a big softball fan. Will you watch a lot of the college softball this weekend? Actually, I got Kentucky and Northwestern on right now. Loves it. And, uh, Loves the well, softball. You know, girls softball, I never dreamed I'd watch girls softball, or, you mm-hmm. know, but I'm, I can't get over how well they play mm-hmm. and uh, can perform. And the game only lasts, what, an hour and a half? Yeah. You yeah. don't have to watch it's it all day. It's the antithesis you know? of baseball. Yeah, you know, Michelle Smith's going to be doing that broadcast. She was on our show yesterday. Yeah. A uh, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Pops, in your athletic career, did you ever win any medals? Not trophies, but medals. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, You were a wrestler? Yeah, I I, I, I did win the the local championship in wrestling. And all it was was two matches. But, uh... Yeah, I I don't yeah. I don't remember getting a medal or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. What I, weight did you wrestle at, Pops? One twenty six. Can you believe it? One twenty six. Yeah. Good thing you put on some weight, Pops. I don't think you could have hung onto that hood of that truck at uh, one twenty six. I think you would have come off there. I can't believe it. That I, mm-hmm. I that I weighed one twenty six when I was a junior in mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. Oh Lord! Yeah, so no medals, no, no medals for pops that he recalls yeah, from his prestigious athletic career. Yeah, yeah. What was the biggest softball tournament you ever played in? Was it a national tournament? Was it uh, uh, you know in your softball days? Oh, I, it wasn't the uh, tournament. It was a game that we played mm-hmm. the bombers, Clearwater bombers, Clearwater know. bombers. They were the yeah, like, was, New York Yankees. Yeah. I mean, they were 
every year the national champion back in the day. But uh, it was it was just an honor just to play them, and they ma- and they yeah. made you feel that way too. You know they. Yeah, they got they big crowds that. down there in Clearwater for the Bombers back in the day. It would, it would yeah. be, it, it was sold out. Three or four Every thousand people. Yeah, had a, had their own stadium and everything. You know, I remember you guys playing King and His Court. You know, yeah, and you had the the, the uh, as Eddie Eddie Fainer Eddie Fainer. Uh, yeah, he pitched, and then he only had like a catcher and two fielders with him. Right, I believe. right, and. Part of that, though, as he got older, was there was supposed to be a gentleman's agreement that the opponent would go with the gags. You know, they'd swing and miss when he'd throw a pitch or something. And I don't, re- I remember you guys not uh, following the script and no. uh, propping up Eddie pretty good. He didn't our, appreciate our that. Coach, our coach back in those days, uh, he didn't care who we were playing. Slick Watson. That was and, slick, uh, wasn't it? We weren't going to play along with him. <laughs> I don't think Eddie appreciated that. He didn't. Well, they never came back to Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Slick Watson, I think. That yeah, made. Slick. Slick. Nine to one, name. I think the final score was. They had one. Oh, jeez. And Eddie didn't like that at all. Yeah. They made a gentleman's agreement with a team uh, lacking on the gentleman's side of it. You know, that's saying <laughs> that one. All right, Pops. Have a great day. All right, man. We'll talk at you later. Goes. That's going to do it for Friday edition of Southern Fries Sports for Pops, for Charlie Potter, Jacob Harrison doing a great job for us once again. The lunch whistle on a Friday, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Quick update, Southern Ale House now closed on Sunday. It's going to give that staff a well-deserved break on Sundays. But every other day of the week, you're going to find the very best in lunch, dinner, happy hour, they had the outdoor entertainment last night. That gets underway Thursdays at 6 p.m. A lot of good stuff, as always, happening there at Southern Ale House. Until 11 a.m. on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.